Let us pray. Precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of studying the scriptures tonight. We trust this program into your hand that will grant us mercy to teach it under your unction and to hear and understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And today we're looking at the, the blessing of eternal life again and how to maximize it. It's not a lot of people that know the importance of eternal life, even though we talk about it, but not a lot of people understand that that's the key thing. That's the key thing. And they, they don't understand that if we don't really practice it, it's going to affect our lives very adversely. So here Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20 is the thing. Verse 20. Notwithstanding this, all of this performance, all of these miracles, notwithstanding in this rejoice not. Don't rejoice in miracles. That the spirits are subject unto you, wonderful. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's the important thing. Jesus said, marvelous, wonderful. I give you power to do these things. He said, but that should not be the reason for your rejoicing. The reason for your rejoicing is that your names are written in heaven. All the miracles you can enjoy are temporary interventions of God. All of them. They are not eternal things. You can be raised from the dead. You will still die. You can be healed of all manner of sicknesses that people have never seen before. Awesome. Wonderful. It's temporary because you will still die when it's time. Miracles are temporary interventions of God. But that's where people revel, focus on, push to follow people around, and leave out what Jesus said. Say, don't let this be your rejoicing. But your rejoicing should be in your names are written in the book of life. In heaven, you have eternal life. He says, that is more important than miracles. I pray that we'll get it. Because most things we focus on is how to get this, how to get that, how God will do this for me, and God will do it. And we forget what Jesus said. Focus on eternal life. Your names are written in heaven. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I wish that the people, Christians can be so committed to getting this from God and getting this from God as they will be to living the eternal life that will certainly secure them a life from heaven. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Awesome, marvelous. But Lazarus died. Where is he? Finally, he passed away. All those things are temporary. That's what Jesus is trying to illustrate. But there is something more important that the Christian should focus on. Understand it, live by it, make sure it doesn't lose touch with it. Your names are written in heaven. Eternal life. Life eternal. It's not great wisdom to be following Jesus for things that, that are temporary. Things that are of short-term interventions. It's wisdom to follow Jesus for things that last forever. Again, miracles last short time, short while, short time. Marvelous miracles we read in the Bible, all of them short time. John chapter 6, verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat 
And they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Verse 23, several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten 24. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him, crowds looking for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? You got here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. That's all. Because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs. You don't understand what I'm teaching. Verse 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food, things that are temporary interventions of God. They are wonderful, marvelous. But Jesus said, in value system, those shouldn't be your priority. They shouldn't be the really source of your rejoicing. You don't be too concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Eternal life, name written in Book of Life. Eternal life, eternal life. Life eternal. For God the Father had given me the seal of his approval. So Jesus is saying that in the order of values, eternal life swings any miracle. In the eyes of God, that's what we should seek. Understand it. Leave it out. It secures your footing. And the beautiful thing about it is if you live eternal life, you, you, you be living a miracle yourself. Again, what's eternal life? John 5, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. First John 5, 10. And this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that had the Son had life. And he that had not the Son had not life. So, when you received Christ into your life, you received his life. That life is what Jesus said. Occupy yourself with living it. Occupy yourself with making sure it's working in your life. Romans 8, 9, cause it the spirit life. Because Christ is the spirit now. When he came to die for us, the Bible calls it the day of his flesh. That's the book of Hebrew. Call it the day of his flesh. But now, he's gone back to the day of his spirit. That's why he could walk into it, closed doors, he could walk in there. That's why he can disappear from them, they won't see him. Before then, when he was in the day of his flesh, he never disappeared from them. So the life we received, or the life he gave us when he resurrected, I was going to go and go back to the first time that Christ gave eternal life to people after his resurrection, where he breathed upon his disciples and said, receive you the spirit. That was his spirit that he breathed life. He breathed. Job said that he said, God give, gives life by his breath. And then we see that in the first creation, God breathed into that thing he formed, and life came into it. Then we found that in the new creation, the new born-again creation, the spirit of Christ himself, the Bible calls him a spirit give, life-giving spirit, breathed into his disciples, and life came into them. The breath of God through his spirit. And now that life is, we now receive it as we receive the gospel he sent them to preach. As we receive it, that life comes into us. The spirit of Christ comes into us. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. It so be that the spirit of God dwells in you, which means you are now a spirit being. That's what it means. It's not the natural life of human beings. It's the spirit life of Christ. So in that Romans chapter 8, verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, 
But in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, I want you to see where the Holy Spirit calls the spirit of Christ the spirit of God. So if the spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God dwell in you, and the spirit of God says is the spirit of Christ. The spirit of God dwell in you, the spirit of God dwell in you, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, that, that spirit of God. Why? Because Christ is God. The Bible says there's one God, there's one spirit. There's not two. One God, one spirit, one Lord, one Father. Romans 5, 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know, we know how dearly God loved us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We receive that spirit, and that spirit brought us the life of God, which is love, for God is love. That's what God said, I will write my laws in their heart. And the Bible says, when you live in love, you fulfill the laws of God. So he poured that love, his nature in us, furnishing us the love with which we can now love people. So Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5, 14, either way, Christ's love controls us now, because he's poured into us, He's taking over our lives. We surrendered our will to him. It's a term I'm going to use over and over again. Surrendered our will to him. So he controls us because we can resist him, which many do. So he controls us now. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we too have all died to our old life. We are not what we used to be. 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive the, his new life, the love of God, who receive the spirit life of Christ, we no longer live for themselves. Selfishness dies. That's the nature of the old life. The core nature of that old life was selfishness. The core nature of this new life is selflessness. It's called love. And instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So that that spirit of Christ, that life of Christ, will now be manifesting through them and that we allow him to control us. That's what Jesus is saying. Focus your attention on letting me control you. Miracles, wonderful, temporary. But focus your attention on this, that Christ's love controls us, controls me, to be your focus and source of rejoicing. Because it has eternal value, a life that Christ lives through us. Philippians 1.11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Jesus said, devils were subject to you awesome, but that's not the source of your rejoicing. The source of your rejoicing is the manifestation of my life through you. The revelation of God to you is eternal life. And so this life that Christ gave us was designed to be lived in reality. And that's when we see the glory and all the benefits. It's designed to be lived in reality. That's why Jesus said, focus on it. Focus on it. Focus on acting on it. Because that's when you really begin to enjoy all the benefits of that eternal life of Christ in you. Many Christians don't know this. That when you don't live eternal life, you you shortchange yourself. You do. And so because we don't know that, we think we have the option of living our lives anyhow. 
And we pay great price because of that ignorance. Jesus said, focus on this. Focus on this eternal life that, that guarantees your name written in heaven. Focus, don't follow me for bread and this, no. Focus on this eternal life, my life in you, my presence in you. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus lives in you, what else will attract your attention more than him? What else will you give your attention in this life more than the Christ that is in you? Tell me what else should consume your, your focus, consume your attention more than Christ Jesus that lives in you. And many Christians really understand this and give him all the attention because he's there. Or we leave, we ignore him because we don't know the seriousness of his presence in us, the importance of his presence in us. So this life was designed to be lived. And it is when you live it, you, you, you benefit from it. When Christ walks through you, you become a, 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 a beneficiary of all his activities. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can now do the good things he planned for us long ago. His love controls us. It's the good things. God planned that his love should control us. That the old human nature must get out. So that the new nature, the new life of God will begin to manifest through every believer. God planned for it to be lived out, not just to be talked about. Some people don't even bother about it. They don't even know what they're talking about, what we're talking about. But God planned for it to be lived out. Let me repeat it, my brothers and sisters. If you don't know this fact, you will live, you will, you will live below your privileges every day, every month, every year. Because there is nothing comparing with what Christ does. There's no glory greater than what it does through you. You can't achieve it yourself. Your money can't give it to you. People can't give it to you. You'll be living in substandard life. When you have the glory, you have the presence of the Almighty, you have the power, you have, you have Christ in you to manifest the best of it. Because nothing is better than what it does. Nothing. And if, if, if it's not what it's doing, then automatically you are substandard. That masterpiece will show. Nobody will see the masterpiece. That us through it. This is a trustworthy saying that I want you to insist on these teachings. So that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. Devote yourself to the love of Christ controlling you. Because when he controls you, the best comes out of your life. In your business, in your studies, in your prayer. In, if he controls your prayer, you can't be better than him. If he controls your studies in school, you can't be better. If he controls your business, you can't do better. If he, con if he controls what you say, you, can, you, you, you can't do better. You just cannot. So the Bible says we should devote ourselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial to everyone. Everyone. So we stop living substandard. James 1.25. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue daring, he being not a forgetful hearer, you don't forget these teachings, but a doer of the work, then this man shall be blessed in his deed. When we start doing, when we start acting, then the blessings start manifesting. That's called faith. Faith is action. If you have eternal life, then let it start acting on it like the, the Bible says to do. Let it control you. That's acting. That's faith. That's yielding your will, your total will to Christ to use. So he brings out the best. The best. The best. John 7, 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this is spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost, 
was not yet given because that Jesus had not yet been, been glorified. So he's talking about the spirit that we receive. If any man has not the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ is none of his. So this spirit flows, this life flows out of us. It's just like you have river flowing, and then when it's flowing, people benefit, farmers benefit, communities benefit, people drink, people use it to shower. That's what it means. When Christ flows out of you, it's rivers of blessing out of your life. Rivers of blessing out of your life. Families get blessed. People you meet in the street get blessed. You go to your job, people get blessed. It's flowing out because that is Christ flowing out of you. He loves people. He is the blessing. He is the blessing. Your children, your children. I mean, it's like that river flowing and watering the ground. And people there, oh, we do farming with this. These people say, oh, it's, it's our drinking water. These people say, oh, we shower with it. These people say, man, this water is helping us. That's what it's like. Exactly. But when we dam it up, the water is not going. It's not a, the blessing is not flowing. Everywhere dry. So you see the importance of living this eternal life. Jesus said, devote your time to it. Don't go chatting about, ah, did you see the miracle there? Did you see? Yeah, it's wonderful. You say, no, don't rejoice in those ones. This is the real miracle of, of, of our life. That Christ is flowing out of you and bringing, he is the blessing. When you, you, you let him control your word, he, he brings words that heals. It defies comforts. So everything that God gives us really manifests only when we act on them in faith, including eternal life. First John 4.20. If a man says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. You, you can't say, I love God, and act contrary. You can't say, I have eternal life, and you act contrary to the nature of Christ. You are, it, it says it's a lie. The way you know that you love God is that you love people. Let me say it again. The way you prove that you love God is that you love people. Why? Because for God so loved the world, God loves people. If that spirit is controlling you, you will love people. But that's why I say, if a man said, I love God and hated his brother, is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, who he had not seen? If my life is running contrary to the nature of Christ, the scripture is saying, I am lying when I say that he is the one acting. He's not the one. Page John 3.17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? When we act contrary to his nature, it means he's not really the one doing those things. We have chosen a substandard life, a lower life, which has no glory in it at all. There's no glory in that thing. And it won't bless anybody because the blessing is not acting. It won't bless you. It won't bless anybody. Atos 1.15. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and don't believe in because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God. They claim that believers claim that Christ lives in them. But they deny him by the way they live. They act contrary to his nature. Oh, I love God. But you hate people. That's what he's saying. But it, it, it doesn't work that way. If he's the one controlling, he will love people. Your flesh may not want to, but you're not obeying your flesh. It's your spirit. Remember, it's a spirit life. Your flesh may not want to, but Christ is controlling it, not your flesh. Oh, your flesh will want to remember what they did, but Christ, you, Christ is controlling it. The love of God covereth multitude of sins. Page John 4, 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And when we are not acting on the eternal life we have, we're not living in faith, though. Because faith is action. The Bible says, show me your faith by action. So if you allow the spirit of Christ, that life in you, to control the rivers to come out of you, then there will not be frustration. You will flourish like a palm tree. When you block him, 
And you now depend on your flesh and the other things that are limited. Frustration sets in. In prayer, in this issue. Let me make a statement. Please, 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 please. I'm begging you. Find time to sleep. If you do nine vigils, God bless you. But I'm begging you, find time to sleep. There is this an epidemic of high blood pressure because people won't sleep. And high blood pressure will destroy your organs. People won't sleep. God doesn't need that. There's time for everything. Take time and sleep. Stop junking. Night video Monday, night video Tuesday. As you get older, your blood vessel, blood pressure will shoot up. Because the scripture said there is time for everything. And you are not doing it. This by the way. So it brings frustration to us when we are not allowing Christ to do things. When we are not allowing him to talk to us, to act through us. It brings frustration. James 1.21. So get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. This lower level life. Then submit to God. Submit your will totally to him. That's the key to power. If you want to see the power of God, then submit to him so he will manifest himself now. Submit to God. And accept the word that he plants in your heart, which is able to save you. Do not deceive yourself by just listening to his word and you are not submitted to it. Instead, you, instead, put it into practice. Don't just be listening after you go do your own, contrary to his nature, blocking him from acting and expect the glory, expect the best. Explain to me how, how that can work. So God puts premium on this life he put in us because that is what makes everything work. Let me say it. It is this eternal life of God in you it is this Christ in you that is the hope of glory. That's what makes everything work. That's why Jesus said, focus on it. That's this Christ in you that is the only hope of experiencing divine glory a man has. When you hinder him, it's no glory at all. Look at 1 Peter 3, 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. In, in that which is not corruptible, you see the nature, the nature of Christ is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek, quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God values his son, values the life he put in us, the hidden man of the heart. It's great price. When he watches his son talk, watches his son do something, God says, this is awesome. It's great. This is my son in whom I will please. It's great price to, to, to see his son do what is his perfect will? He said that inner, that hidden man, the life in him is of great price before God. Jesus said, don't rejoice because of miracles. It's wonderful, but it's not of great price before God. He said, but this is what is of great price before God. Don't follow me for bread. Follow me for eternal life. Because the hidden man, the life of God in you is of great price before God. Oh, I wish that every Christian should understand this. Let me read TPT. He said, let your true beauty, verse 4. First Peter 3, 4. But let your true beauty come from your inner personality. That's what they call him. The inner personality. Christ in us. The new man. Not a focus on the external. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't focus on these things you see. Wonderful. Focus on the things you don't see. The hidden man. The spirit things. They control the things you see. They control the things you see. They control the things you see. Don't go to where the thing is not coming from. Go to where it's coming from. They control the things you see. If you let them, let your true beauty come from your inner personality, not a focus on the standard for, for lasting beauty comes from a gentle, peaceful spirit. It comes from that spirit, lasting beauty, which is precious in God's sight. Man, precious in God's sight. It's not my shoe. It's not my sister. They are wonderful. 
Precious in God's sight. It's not, you can walk. A lame man can walk also. God will be glorified. But this is what Jesus said. Don't rejoice in those things. Rejoice in this thing. Precious in God's sight. Shouldn't that be precious in your sight? Shouldn't that be a focus for you? That you allow Christ to control you? That the rivers are flowing out of you? Shouldn't that be a focus? How can we neglect Christ in us? How can we neglect him? How can we neglect him? We don't even know he's there. We don't even remember he's there. And we do our own thing. It says, precious in God's sight, and it's much more important than the outward adornment of elaborate hairs, jewelry, and fine clothes. Galatians 6, 17 says, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Let me read, um, I think this is a New Living Translation. Do we have King James Version on Galatians 5.15? King James Version? Okay. Okay. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor on our own circumcision, but a new creature. The hidden man. The hidden man. The life of Christ. Jesus said, focus on it. But then that's the key to power. Because that's the, pow- that, that's the key to glory now. <laughs> that's the key to power. That's the key to glory. Letting Christ do it. Step aside. That poor new destiny. Oh, he says, it's no longer I that live it. It's Christ. He is the one. I mean, you can look at that man's life. I don't have to tell you about it. Check that man's life. He said, I can't boast of anything except what Christ has done through me. That's a testimony, powerful testimony. He said, I see what he's doing, what he's done through me. Now what Paul did. Matthew 9, 13. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. <laughs> not all this... Uh, Sleeplessness and not this. God said, I'm not interested in that. What I want is my love, my life as precious in my sight, flowing through you. I want you to show mercy. Not, I did 30 days dry. It's all wonderful. If you can survive it, I can't. But if you can survive, you can do 100 days. That's up to you. But God says, I don't need those sacrifices. There's only one sacrifice he made himself. But he says, all I want you to show is mercy. Why? That's love. That's my life. That's my nature. For I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who too know they are sinners. God says, I prefer mercy. That's my life. That's what is precious in my eyes. Everything else hinges on Christ in us. Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not that spirit of Christ, it is none of his. Which means he has no portion in, divine, in all the blessings of God. It's that presence of Christ that makes you a partaker of divine nature and gives you privilege of being the son of God, child of God, and gives you the privilege of all the blessings of God because of that Christ, because you are joint heirs with him. All that promises to him, but because he's in you, that's why you are joint heirs, that's why you also partake in it. If you remove him from your life, nothing zero. You see why that eternal life is key? And love, that life of Christ is the greatest manifestation of God in the life of a man. The greatest manifestation of God in the life of a man is the love of Christ. It's the life of God himself that God is manifesting. There is nothing greater in value than God's nature, than God and who he is. Nothing. Nothing. And God dwells in us. The kingdom of God in his fullness is in us because Christ is there. There's nothing greater in value than Christ himself. So there's no, more, there's no greater manifestation of God in your life than Christ in you. That Jesus said, rejoice for this. Your names are in heaven because I'm in you. That's the only hope of glory. That's the only hope of you going there. First Corinthians 14. Let love be your highest goal. Let this life of Christ be your highest goal. See, the Holy Spirit keeps 
be start saying what Jesus said. Let it be your highest goal. Christians, let it be your highest goal. That's what makes all that thing, makes the glory manifest, Christ in you. Christ makes the glory manifest. The glory is his own. The glory belongs to him. He will share it. Galatians 6.15. Okay, we we'll read that one. Now, let's look at First uh, Corinthians 13.1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a, a clinging cymbal. If I had the gifts of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I could be nothing. If I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see what Jesus said? He said, those miracles are wonderful. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying here. You can do, move mountains, do miracles, and do this. No. The key thing is focus on Christ in you. Christ in you is bigger than any miracle. It's bigger than it. Bigger, 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 bigger. And this is love. His love. His love. His love. His love for God is love. So focus on it. He said if, if Christ is not the one doing it, it's, it's waste of time. It's just waste of time. That's what it means. If it's not the love of God, if it's not Christ, it's just waste of time. It has no value before God. So Paul knew this. Paul said, no, I'm not going to let my flesh intervene. I'm going to let the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ control me. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body like an athlete. It's not going to tell me what to do. It's not going to control me, no. Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Because if all those things I did was not Christ, then Jesus said, I never knew you. Get out from here. All this you are doing was not me. Never knew you. So let's see, looking at the, at, the, at the Bible, what living apart from Christ creates, the trouble it creates for the Christian. Let's look at um, um, 3 John 5, 4, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. So if it's, if it's not of God, it won't, it won't, there's no victory in it, there's no glory. It has to be of God. It has to be of Christ. For it to be, when you say, I'm overcomer. That thing you are doing will not overcome if it's not of God. If it's not Christ, there's no glory. It will show glory. It won't, you will have defeat. It says, for whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this, that, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when we are not letting Christ control us manifest and we fail, we get frustrated. Didn't he say, if you want to succeed in prayer, let my words fill your heart. Let me control that prayer through my words. Oh, no, we won't do that. Ah, we won't do that. He said, look, you want to pray and succeed yet? Let my word dwell richly in you. Feel, let me, let me, let me, let me fill you with my word. You can ask anything and get it, because that will be me. Acts 5, 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel be, or this work is of men, it will come to naught. Why do we do things like this? Why do we prefer things that will come to naught? Instead of letting Christ. But if, if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. If it is Christ, no. The planting of the Lord, you can't pull it up. Now, 1 Corinthians 10 from verse 1, we're going to read this place and see this Israel was like a picture of the church because there's a shadow. And let's see what the Holy Spirit wrote to the church about them and what we should learn from not letting the Spirit of Christ manifest, not letting the eternal life manifest. 1 Corinthians 10 from, one, from verse 1. I don't want you to forget their brothers and sisters. That's the Holy Spirit writing to you and me. Every single time you read the Bible, that is the Holy Spirit talking to you directly. 
If Jesus will be here, he will repeat this thing word for, because that is word. It is his word. It is his word. So he said to the church, to you and to me this evening, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. Don't forget what happened to them. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. Like we all walked through it to Christ, they came from Egypt, walked on dry ground to the other side. We came from the world and walked into Christ. Okay, verse 2. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as rulers of Moses, who were baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. Verse 3. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. We, we are eating the word of God. And then the Spirit of God is in us. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. That's what we are doing too. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. He said to the church, look at what happened to these people and land. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They did not overcome. Because what they were doing was not of God. They can't overcome. He said, I don't want you to forget these things, church. These things happened as a warning to us so that we will not crave evil things as they did. Those things were not of God. He couldn't overcome. Verse 7. Or worship idols as some of them did. You know, greed is idol worship. Worship of self. As the scripture says, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan reverie, pagan culture like today, the mainstream culture. It's obviously not of God. Because the God of this world controls that. When you engage in mainstream culture, you wear rag, you wear rag. Even buy for your children. You are teaching your children to accept the world. When they accept the world, you will be the first victim. But they will treat you the way the world treats their parents. You will be the first victim. That's it. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did. Because that is not of God. It's not of God. We say, it doesn't matter. Leave them alone. It's not of God. He won't overcome. He will frustrate your life. It's not of God. It's not Christ. There's no glory. Let me ask you a question. If, if, if the church does not teach the life of Christ, what is right? What is wrong? Who will teach it? Don't, don't worry them now. They will know. Uh, uh, they, how would they know except you teach it? Except we teach it. Why did God put teachers in the church? Why do I profess in the church? In the Bible said the word of God is given to us for correction. For correction. For correction. It's because we are flowing in the same spirit of the word. We don't, it doesn't repulse our spirit. We say, it doesn't matter. God will teach them. It's a lie. That's demonic language. God put teachers in the church to teach people. The doctrine of God is to teach us and correct us. And teach us how to live. You know, some people, all they are concerned is their children are going to school. <laughs> is that all you, in this world, that's getting more evil? Is that what they sustain them? Good luck to you. Verse 7. Our worship idols, as some of them did, as the scriptures say, their people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan slavery, and we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. He said, church, don't forget that, verse 9, nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. He said, church, I don't want you to forget this thing, and don't grumble, as some of them did, church, and then we are destroyed by the angel of death. Let me read verse 1 again. I don't want you to forget. This is not of God. It's of the devil. And they brought the work of Satan upon them. Destruction of the devil. The Holy Spirit said, church, I don't, I don't want you to forget this. You know. Verse 11. These things happened to them as an example for us. 
they were written down to one us who live in the, in, the, in the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is the way out. This one we're teaching is way out. You can't blame anything on temptation because God said temptation you can't, you can't stand is not coming. Don't blame it on temptation. Don't blame it on other people. It's your choice. Ephesians 5.11. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the, day, from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It says, These things will put you in a spiritual slumber. It will put you in a spiritual slumber. It will weaken your spirit, it will weaken your faith. It, because it's not Christ, there's no glory in it. 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Let Christ control you. Understand what he wants you to do. Let him yield it to him. He's in you to control so that the glory will be brought forth and manifest in your life. Don't be drunk with wine because they will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of Christ, feel, let the life of Christ fill your life. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, not rap, not rap, is it rap, 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 I don't know what they call it, rap, rap, I don't know what they call that kind of, that kind of junk. If it's not of God, it's of the devil, and it will bring demonic works in your life. That's the Bible said, I don't want you to forget this things. Tell the church. God told me, say, read it one day. He said, I'm preaching on healing and healing and healing. He said, go back and read these things to the church. He told me, he said, I want you to read it to the church. Verse 19, talks of singing hymns and, you know, and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your heart. That's, that song you are singing, who wrote it? It doesn't matter, Pastor, you know, these are modern days. Okay, it still doesn't matter when the devil takes, takes over your life. It will matter. The scripture is given to us to correct us. Construction in righteousness so that we should not be ashamed. So we should not be ashamed. So we can walk in glory. Focus on the eternal life. To live it. To act it out. Romans 8.5 Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your, control your mind leads to death, not life. It cause fellowship. It cause fellowship. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. But the sinful nature is always hostile to God. You start hating church. You start hating Bible. You start, you start hating. You become hostile to it. Because it's not the Spirit of God. If you come to church looking at clock, 30 minutes, you are looking at clock. Because you are, it's, you are hostile to it. Because the, the, what is controlling you is not the eternal life. You have neglected Christ in you. And this is what is coming out of it. Find fault with everybody except yourself. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. 26. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 27. Nor give place to the devil. If you do, he's a killer. 
The Holy Spirit said, I don't want you to forget what he did to them. He will do it to you. I don't want you to forget. Don't give place to the devil. And how do we do that? From verse 23, you see how we don't give him place. You don't let him control you. That's all. Verse 23, let him that stole steal no more. Don't let those things control you. But rather let him labor, working with his hand what is good, that he may have something to give to, to who has need. 29. Let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth. If you want to see good days, don't tell lies. Don't deceive people. That's not Christ. That's not eternal life manifesting. When you, when you yield to Christ, you don't make room for the devil. The, one of the best ways to deal with Satan is walking in the spirit. But see, your spirit knows. Look, the, the, the scripture says, I said, I'm warning you about those who want to deceive you. He said, but you have the spirit in you now. You have the anointing in you. And he will teach you all things. They will not be able. But if you're not walking under the guidance of that spirit, they will deceive you. That's why the scripture said, those who don't love the truth, that God will hand them over to all those kind of deceitful spirits. Walking by control of the spirit, by the spirit of God, Christ, we, we shut the devil out of your life. They can't deceive you. The Holy Spirit will guide you, reveal what they are doing, expose them. So it says, verse 29, Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impact grace to the hearers. If it's coming from the Prince of Peace, from the, from the grace himself, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, if it's him controlling you, what you are saying will bring grace to the hearers. He doesn't deserve it. Yeah, but you still say things nice. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 31. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This is how you do not give place to the devil. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ acts, forgive you. That's how God works. 1 John 4, 12. That's how people see Christ in us. Jesus wants to, to be introduced by his presence and by his actions. He said, let your light so shine. We see it and they come after me. They glorify me. They, they come. First John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one or each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression. People see God, see Jesus, and they follow him. First Peter 3, 1. And now let me speak to the wives. Be devoted to your own husband so that even if some of them do not obey the word of God, your kind conduct may win them over without your saying a thing. For they will observe your pure godly life before God. It will impact them deeply. Let now your true beauty come from your inner personality. They will see Christ. It will impact them deeply. Because he has the power and the glory. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine. Let Christ be seen. Let Christ be seen. Shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I will stop here. I pray that the Lord will use this to minister to us so that we focus on the things that matter, the things that are eternal, Christ. Don't neglect Christ in you. It's a major error. You will pay a great price for it. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the, for the word you gave us. That miracles are temporary interventions. That we should focus on the things that are eternal. 
Christ in us, Jesus in us, God in us. We can't neglect him. Just can't. We just can't. Better to help us understand what this teaching is trying to help us to do so that we can walk in glory, walk in power, and not walk in shame. That our joy will be full and we'll enjoy the blessings of God. In Jesus' name we pray.